For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. To me, who am least or less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through him, through faith in him. Therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. The grass withers, the flower falls, but God's word abides forever. Amen? Thanks be to God. All right, well, let's go ahead. We need, the, we need the, the blessing of God as we consider our text, and so let's pray. Father in heaven, again, we thank you that you have granted unto us through Jesus Christ boldness to come to you. And Father, we want to understand this portion of your holy word that you, through the Spirit, guided Paul to write. And so we ask, O oh Lord, for the eyes to be able to be enlightened, to open our eyes that we may see Jesus as he is proclaimed here and your grace, as it is proclaimed here. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would open not only our eyes, but our hearts, that we would not walk away from here and forget what we hear. But we pray, O oh Lord, that it would be effectively planted, effectively uh, fruitful. We desire for you to be glorified through the work of the Spirit in applying this. So open our hearts, O oh Lord. Plant that, that seed deep in our hearts. That on Monday morning when we rise, we remember that you have captured our hearts. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would also enable us to live it, to put it into practice, that others around us who know you not, who are facing a Christless eternity, that you may have mercy on their souls through us as your witnesses. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, I've got a lot of material here. I've been uh, 
been thinking a lot about how, what I'm going to cover, and as I uh, as I've been thinking about it, I'm going. You know, I'm going to we're going to have a part two on this. I'm going to leave a lot of what I wanted to say this morning um, for next week, um, but I, I want to focus in on that first verse there. I think it's important. For this reason, I Paul. The prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles. So I want to focus on that. So I want to begin with the question, as I always do, have you ever considered yourself captured or a captive? Have you? Weird weird question, right? What are you talking about, Pastor? Have you ever considered yourself to be a captive? Were you born a captive? Born in Adam? Who captured you? The devil. What does the scripture say? We were in the kingdom of darkness. The world lies under his reign. In his prison house. Captive. All mankind are captive to Satan. Furthermore, are they captive? Were you captive to your own desires and flesh? Doing what you want to do. It's all about me. But yet Paul says that's bondage. I should be asking, what kind of captive were you or are you? Actually, are you right now? Oh, I'm free. I can do what I want when I want to do it. Oh, really? Walking within your prison. According to the word of God, we are enemies of God in Adam. Under the domain, the, the adversary of our Lord Jesus Christ, That is Satan, and it says, taking captive to his will. That's a hard hard thing to hear, isn't it? What do you mean? I'm I'm not a cap I'm I'm not a prisoner. Oh yes, you are. In Adam. Was Saul of Tarsus a prisoner of Satan? No, wait a second. Saul, the, the writer here, when he was the Pharisee of Pharisees, he was the guy that everybody looked to for the Bible knowledge. He was the one who had zeal for God. And I'm going to stamp out this heresy. I'm going to kill those Christians because they are teaching contrary to what I understand the Bible to teach. He said, I exceeded all my contemporaries in zeal for God. But was he a captive of error? Notice what he says in our text just a little farther down as he describes himself. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints. How's that for a self-evaluation? Are you less than the least of the saints? Paul says he was. And he goes on in another place say, I persecuted the church. The bride of Christ, I attacked the most precious thing that Jesus Christ has, and that is his church. I was killing his people. And Jesus Christ confronted me on the road, and what did he say? Saul, Saul, you're persecuting my people. Did he say that? Did Jesus say that to Saul? No, he didn't. What did he say? Saul, Saul, you are persecuting me. Jesus' heart is bound to his people to attack 
God's people is to attack Jesus Christ. Is that what Jesus was saying to Saul? Are we the apple of his eye? What's the apple of of the eye? It's your pupil. Can I walk up to you and stick my finger into your the pupil? Would you let me do that? Walk up to you and stick my finger in the pupil of your eye? No. What would your eye do? Your eye closes to try to protect it. Jesus says that we are the pupil of his eye. He's not going to let anybody poke you. And yet that was all. So what did God do? He was captured in the kingdom of darkness, and there on the road, guess what? The Lord Jesus Christ captured his heart, redirected his life. As one writer writes, one of the greatest proofs of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the the change in the life of Paul. He was an enemy, promoted, planted the church. He's writing to those who the Lord used him to plant this church, and now he is a physical prisoner of Caesar, of the Roman Empire. He's writing this letter because he can't be there with them because he's in prison. And so he says in verse 1, For this reason I, the prisoner... Yes, he says, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, but physically he's, he's in prison. He's awaiting trial from Caesar. Life and death. But more important to him, what does he say? I'm the prisoner of Jesus Christ. And for him, that was a badge of honor. Is it for you? Jesus is my Lord. He's my master. He's the one that determines what I eat, what I wear, what I own, what I do. Think about it. To be in prison, what is so bad about being in prison? Why is it that you want to avoid prison? And you do. What is it about prison? You don't have freedom. Who said that? Yes, you don't have freedom. Right? You can't do what you want to do when you you can't go where you want to go. Other people tell you what to do. Right? And also you're with all these other scarier people than you. Right? Murderers. Prison is not something good, is it? I've been uh I visited Mule uh Mule Creek State Prison in California a few times. It's a pretty scary place, all the things you have to go through. And one time I was there, and as I'm sitting waiting for a prisoner to talk to him in this room with all these people, this one gal came in, sat down, the prisoner came in, they got up, they hugged, and he took something and slipped it into his boot that she gave him. And I wanted, there's guards that are sitting right there watching. I went up to the guard and said, yeah, what do I do? I saw somebody pass something to this prisoner. He said, shut up. Don't say anything. Go outside the prison and talk to them out there because they know how to get to you outside the prison. And I don't want to know because I don't want them coming after me. That was a guard. Scared the daylights out of me. I don't know about you. Right? I've been to the prison in Tijuana, Mexico. 
That was a really interesting experience. You go inside of that prison, and it seems like you're still part of the town. There's booths and food and everything else, but there's also some very dangerous people that are walking around. But the thing was, in both those places, they didn't have freedom. They were prisoners. But yet Paul says here, I am the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. He says, the reason I'm in prison is because I love you. My will has been thwarted. I can't do what I want to do. I can't go where I want to go. I want to be with you. I can't be there because I'm a prisoner, but more importantly, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. So the main point in the, in the message, we're, we're going to at least hit the main point, try to cover the first one. In God's infinite wisdom, he intertwines the life and experiences of his messengers with the message that he has given them to communicate. We find an example of this in the life and ministry of the Apostle Paul. At this, uh, the same is true today. God is molding and shaping us, his church, to be effective instruments of grace. Here's the questions. Does your heart belong to him? Jesus captured the heart of Saul. Do you trust him? Jesus said to, to Paul, get up and go walking. You're blind. Go to Damascus and wait. He did. Do you live for him? And for his purposes. Would that be a good way to describe Paul? He lived for Christ. What Christ had called him to do. Including the purpose of sitting in jail. Being a prisoner. Facing death. Many times. What about you? So again, this letter, what have we said? This is a letter of, anybody remember? Well, this is a letter of? Say it. Go ahead. Grace. Good. Excellent. This is a letter of grace. We've been looking at the grace of God from multiple different perspectives. The grace of God to the saints and faithful in Christ Jesus. That is the church. Chapter 1, we saw the blessings of God from eternity to eternity and prayer that the church that we would comprehend and apprehend and understand and rejoice in being called out from the world and called together in Christ. Okay, now chapter 1. Chapter 2, uh, he did a couple compare and contrast. You were once dead, now you're alive. That, can you think of anything more opposite? Dead, alive. Is there anything? That's as far out as you can go. You were once dead in trespasses and sin, but now you've been made alive in Christ. And then he, on chapter 11 last week, Sorry, verse 11, chapter 2, he then said, well, let me look at it another way. You are aliens. You are alienated from the body of Christ. You are alienated. You are, you are outsiders. You were separated from God and his people. You were aliens. But now you're reconciled together in Christ. He's talking to Gentiles and Jews, but to Gentiles. You and I. Was Abraham a Gentile before he was a Jew? Isn't that a strange question? 
Was he a Gentile? Was he a pagan idol worshiper before the gospel came to him? The answer is yes. We like Adam. I mean, we like Adam. We like Abraham. Apart from Christ, are Gentiles are alienated from God, but he reconciles us together, together. So the first question, the first point in the message is, so do you know the hope of God's calling? Here we're talking about Paul's calling. Paul's calling, he says, is I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. That sounds pretty, is that negative? I hope you're saying that, yeah, it is. It's, It's negative to be a prisoner. But he says, my honor, my privilege is to be identified with Jesus Christ and to be captured by him and to be his prisoner. It's the greatest thing. I belong to Jesus. He owns me. He created me. He redeemed me. He's using me for his own glory. I'm fulfilling the purpose of reason why I'm here on earth. Why are you here? What does the world say? Why are you here? What do you, when you ask someone, what are you doing here? Why are you here? Well, I'm for me. Everything exists for me. Is that the natural man? In one way, shape, or form, that's what the answer is. Everything exists for me. The purpose of my existence is me. What does Paul say? The <laughs> purpose of your existence is God. He holds you together. He created you. He maintains you. He has a purpose for you. And the purpose is for your good and his glory. But he says it a negative thing viewed positively. And this isn't the only place where he talks about that. What, what does he say? Let's look at it again. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of, the, of Christ Jesus, for you. Did Paul love these people? Is he in prison because of his love for these people? For, for the gospel that impact them and for them? He's writing a letter to them. Yeah. I'm a prisoner for you. You could go into 2 Corinthians. You want to see how, what kind of love Paul had? Or I should say, yes, I'll say the love Paul had, but it wasn't really Paul's love, was it? You know Paul's writing. He'll say, the love of Christ constrains me. Now, he doesn't say, my love for Christ constrains me. He says, Jesus' love constrains me to do what he wants. Is that your testimony? Do you understand how important that is? It's not that I love Jesus, but that Jesus loves me and loves through me. That's what matters. So that when I love you, and you are a porcupine, and I hug you, and I walk away, and there are quills sticking in me, it's not my love, it's his love. Did Jesus hug a porcupine? 
did Jesus hug you and me? Did he embrace the cross in your place? While we were yet sinners, while we were the wicked ones, he loved us and gave himself for us. So Paul, looking at his situation, says, I glory in tribulation that Christ may be formed in me, that you may see Jesus. That's, a, that's not natural, is it? That sounds kind of crazy. Oh, I really enjoy, I really look forward to the next trial that I'm going to be going through because, is that, bring it on. No, we naturally say no, no, no. Over Him over here, not me, right? Paul is saying, I glory in tribulation that Christ may be seen. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You pray that prayer and mean it? In other words, what we see here in Paul, that he has a heavenly perspective on earthly circumstances. What about you? Last week I went to California and my son David was ordained as a minister and I rented a car and we went and were staying with him. The next morning we get up. David walks outside the house. He said, Dad, you need to come see this. I walk outside, and there's a five-inch branch of a tree on the rental car. Damaged. I'm, I'm guessing it'll be $10,000 worth of damage when they're all said and done. Educational experience, right? Tribulation, right? What's God going to do with that? I could have parked one car over and nothing would have happened to it. But God in his foreordination and determination decided that this tree is going to break, this branch is going to hit this brand new Honda, and now there's going to be interesting consequences or interactions, financial impacts maybe. Again, heavenly perspective on earthly circumstances. How about you? How do you, what kind of eyes do you have? When you look at the, the bad thing, can you see Christ working? You hurt your leg, you're a runner. We haven't had anybody hurt their leg in this congregation, have we? On a motorcycle or running or anything like that? I could show you mine, but that's okay. Yeah, things happen. Why? Because God is sovereign. We believe that, right? Why do bad things happen? Because God, oops, oh, I'm sorry, I wasn't watching. No. God works all things together for good, for them that love the Lord and called according to his purpose. I don't understand how this is going to work for my good and your glory, Lord, but okay, bring it on. That's, that's not an easy thing to say, right? But yet, Paul is saying what? I'm a prisoner of the Lord Jesus. And notice what he says, though. He's continuing the glory. Verse 2, I will jump into a little bit more. If indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you. I have been called to be a manager 
a steward of the mystery of Christ. That dispensation. And he goes on to say, how that by revelation he has made to, known to me the mystery as I have briefly written already. Whoa, whoa, briefly written. What's he talking about? Chapters 1 and especially chapter 2. He's just been talking about it. You Gentiles were alien. Now you're reconciled. That was a mystery. That was something hidden. And now we assume it. Anybody here a Jew? Anybody ethnically a Jew in this congregation? Yeah. No? We're all Gentiles? This, is, this would have shocked people at this time in the Jewish community. The Gentiles are coming to faith in Christ, are being saved, are part of the body of Christ, are part of the covenant people of God. Wow. Mystery that was once hidden is now revealed. It's in the Old Testament, but it's kind of shadowy there. You have to really know, you have to look at it from the New Testament perspective to see it. He says, I'm a manager, I'm a steward. I've been entrusted with the care of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, to the church, by revelation. I'm a minister of grace. And he says, by grace and God's power. And so we're going to wrap it up here. What is your identity? Oh, so here's the question. What is your identity? Who are you captive to? And I hope that offends you. Who are you captive to? Well, I'm a, I'm a captive to no one. I hope you were listening. Everyone's captive to someone. In Adam, we're all captive to Satan. The kingdom of darkness, the rule of darkness, principalities and powers. We don't see them. But boy, look at what's happening in Israel right now. What's going on there? 500 Israelis died. I don't know how many other Palestinians have died. There's a war going, another war. Did God just turn his back for a minute? Oops, oh, oh no. No. Is there a war that's greater than that war going on for your soul? Is there forces you can't see that desire your destruction? In Adam, you're in that camp. If you're not trusting in Christ, you're in that camp. That's a frightening thing to say. That's what Paul is saying. You're a prisoner of Satan. He's a prisoner of, the, of darkness. Is that your, who you are? Or, here's the question, are you trusting in Christ alone for salvation? Do you see your sin? Do you hate your sin? Do you turn from it? Is your identity, I belong to Jesus? That's my question. That's what the catechism says, right? What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I belong to Jesus. That's the only comfort that works. That's the only comfort that we have. And if so, how does your life reflect that? How does it affect it? And how does it reflect it? Or another way of saying, are your eyes focused on yourself or on Christ? There's a good way to summarize this. Where are your eyes? Is it on Christ or the world, the flesh, or the devil? That's the choice. Let us pray.
Father in heaven, we do thank you that you reign. We confessed earlier, I believe in God the Father, almighty maker of heaven and earth. Not only are you the maker, you sustain it, and through your Son you redeem it, uh, and through your Spirit you're applying it to us. And so we thank you, O Lord, that we, like Saul, were a prisoner And apart from Christ, we are still prisoners of darkness. O Lord, have mercy on those that we know that are in the kingdom of darkness. Have mercy on their soul and enable us as those who have have received the light of Christ to shine forth that in our lives. We also pray, O Father, that you would strengthen and equip us, that we would have our eyes fixed upon Jesus, the author and finisher for our faith, who with with, uh, with the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising this shame, and has sat down at your right hand. We thank you, O Lord Jesus, for conquering the devil, the world, the flesh, our sin, our self, that you are Lord. We pray, O Lord, that you would, your lordship would be more reflected in our lives, that when others see us, they see you. We ask that you would do that work in us. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for inspiring and guiding Paul to write these things, and we pray that you'd also work in us, that this, that we would become, as Paul said, living letters seen and read of men, that people would read of Jesus Christ and the gospel through our lives. Give us, uh, grant unto us that constraining love of Christ to love those who are facing a Christless eternity. We pray, O Lord, that you would enable us to walk worthy of the calling where we are called in all humility and lowliness of mind. We pray, O Lord, that you would help us to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. We pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.